Well, it's good to be here in God's house this morning, Porchlight Baptist Church. Glad to have those that are with us, those watching online. Um, before we get started into the message, uh, you should see there in front of you a new prayer card from our missionaries in Australia, Joe and Melissa Marshall. They sent these uh, to us, and it's a nice little card. Got a picture of a uh, family on it, information for them, so you remember the Marshall family in your prayers. And uh, also heard from Brother Sauter, um, our missionary in Zambia uh, this week. They're going to be here in Knoxville, and uh, hopefully i get to meet up with him uh, sometime and maybe go out for lunch. But uh, you pray for them. And then, of course, the Blands family. Always remember them in your prayers. Brother Jeremy and his wife, Michelle, their family. Uh, and so just pray for them. The Lord will help them. And uh, this morning, we're not in the book of Romans. We'll finish that up maybe next, over the next two Sundays. But uh, today, we're in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 15, be taking our text from. Mark chapter 15, we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 26, Lord willing, on a message here about, uh, it's centered around the crucifixion of Jesus, all the events surrounding that, but in particular, uh, we're going to be talking about to bear his cross. That's what I've titled the message, to bear his cross. And we'll see why I've titled that here in just a moment. But leading up to these uh, verses here in Mark chapter 15, uh, Jesus had been betrayed, we all know. Uh, we've heard the story many times. Judas, as he betrayed him, uh, that final kiss, and the Romans came and they took him down there, he was falsely accused. He was put on a mock trial. It wasn't a, a real trial. He was beaten severely, and he was sentenced to death. Uh, we will start reading the text this morning at the point where the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, found nothing wrong that Jesus had done, uh, but he was trying to please the Jews and not cause any kind of riot. And so he released, uh, he was, his idea was release this uh, Jesus, but uh, he gave them the choice, and they released the murderous Barabbas instead. And they delivered unto them Jesus to be crucified on the cross. And so we pick up this morning after all these events, Mark 15, starting with verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them. And delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head. And began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him. And bowing their knees worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian who had passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Look at that right there. If you underline things in your Bible, there it is, to bear his cross. Verse 22, and they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them 
what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for the reading of your word. Lord, we're asking you now to help us as we try to preach, Lord. And, and uh, may your word go out and do a mighty work in our hearts today. We'll give you any praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the Roman cross was a cruel way to die. They were not the originators of that form of death. It had been around for a long time. Uh, the death by crucifixion originally began in Babylon. And we all know what Babylon is. It's really the, the seat of sin. Babylon, every time it's mentioned in the Bible, uh, it's never good where Babylon is concerned. And it was during the reign of the Persians, who were a few uh, world empires uh, out of the Romans, uh, history tells, tells us that King Darius crucified 3,000 political uh, enemies in Babylon in 519 B.C. And so this uh, crucifixion on, on a cross is not something new at this point. Uh, this practice continued on when the Grecian Empire took over. And you may remember a man, Alexander the Great. Uh, they claim him to be one of the greatest generals in all of the world history. Uh, it is said that he had uh, crucified over 2,000 Phoenicians when uh, he conquered that land. And then there was the Carthaginians who were dominant there for just a, a, a small amount of time between the time of the, uh, the Grecians until the Romans took over. And the Romans, of course, defeated the Carthaginians and continued on with this practice of crucifixion for criminals, uh, whoever they wanted to put to death. The crucifixion was the way they were doing it. Now, being crucified on a cross is much a much more painful way of dying than, let's say, uh, decapitation, which was also a method of death that they would they would use. They would lay your head down on a stump, and they would have someone take a, a, a sharp axe, and they would cut your head off. Uh, that was not near as painful as uh, being crucified because it was instantaneous death when you have your head cut off. But crucifixion is a drawn-out process. A lot of things leading up to it, uh, cruel things. And that's, that's really the whole idea behind a crucifixion is cruelty. Uh, they want to inflict as much pain, and not only pain, but humiliation. That's their goal is to, to humiliate you. Uh, in Rome, it would start with the, condemning, uh, per, the condemned person being brutally beaten. A lot of people did not survive the beating before they were crucified. However, they wanted them to stay alive so they could crucify them. And so they would beat them right to the brink of death and, and then nail them to these crosses. Uh, this beating was called a scourging. We know what the Bible says that happened to Jesus there in uh, verse 15. So Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Now, Pilate, no doubt, was not the one that did the scourging. He would have had his soldiers do that. He would just stand by and okay the, the act and, and watch. Uh, but they scourged Jesus. And it consisted of taking these devices that they would they would make, and they were iron balls connected to chains and on, on, a, on a long, um, on a stick, a type of stick. And uh, sometimes they use whips, but they would uh, they would take these things and they would use leather uh, thongs and put pieces of broken glass and bones 
into these leather thongs as they would tie them onto those those rods and they would they would whip people with them they would beat you and as they would draw back it would grab your skin and pull it off and so there was chunks of skin and flesh that would come off your body as they would scourge you with these uh, these devices now most of the time the scourging would send the person being scourged into shock and that's what happens when you your body undergoes a, a vast amount of pain all at once it will go into shock and sometimes you you can't even feel what's happening to you uh, no doubt they felt this beating but uh, I remember when I was uh, a teenager I was at school and I was running through the schoolyard and the grass was wet and I slid down and caught myself with my hand. Well, what I didn't know was the place my hand landed, there was a very sharp rock and it sliced through my hand. I had to have 30 stitches right down through here in, in my hand. You can still see the scar. And I'm, yeah, it's just right there. The scars are right there. And uh, I did not know that I cut myself when it happened. Um, I continued, I got up and continued running and people started saying, hey, where's all that blood coming from? And I'm looking around, you know, trying to figure it out. And I look down at my hand and I'm like, you know, and so I go to the, the principal's office and, you know, I have my hand down like this and they're like, what, what's, what do you need? What's wrong? And I went, plop. <laughs> Right there on top of the, the counter at the principal's office. And uh, those women back there were just like, ah. <laughs> but I did not feel that when it first happened. Because your body has this, this pain resistor built into it. that uh, It's kind of a shock to the body and it takes over. But once that shock wears off, uh, the pain comes. And it comes quickly. So these Roman soldiers would beat these uh, people that's condemned to death, nearly to the point of death. And then they would set them up for the crucifixion. Now, in the case of Jesus, the Romans went a step further in the humiliation. Uh, look at verse 16. It says, And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole band, and they clothed him with purple and planted a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. So they went a step further with Jesus. They thought they would have a little fun with him. Uh, you see, people had been calling him the King of the Jews. And uh, even during his birth, they said there, there's one born, which is the King of the Jews. And so everybody knew that's really who Jesus was. That's, I mean, he was the Messiah. But these Roman soldiers, of course, not believing in God the, the way that the, the Jews did, or in especially Christians uh, that would, would believe in Jesus, but uh, they wanted to make fun of him. So they dress him up in a mock king's outfit. Now, kings were identified by purple. Uh, so they, they brought out a purple robe, uh, which is a sign of royalty. Purple was very expensive uh, to get. Only those that had a lot of money or royalty had purple clothing. So they put this on Jesus, and they had a crown that somebody had braided out of thorns, and they forced it upon his head into the, in the scalp of his, of his head. Now these thorns, when we think about thorns, we think of maybe a blackberry bush here, got these little stickers on them, and they hurt. Uh, there's one growing out here on the bushes beside the house, and every time I mow, one of them grabs me. 
and don't feel good. But these thorns uh, more than likely were long thorns on that crown. Uh, could have been anywhere from a half to an inch long, very sharp. And somebody had plaited a crown of thorns. They took, and thorns usually grow on vines. And so they would twist these vines, plait them, or like you girls would plait your hair, and, and make a, a crown out of it. And then they took this crown and they forced it down on his head, which would, of course, gouge through his skin. Uh, instead of having a crown with rubies in it, he had a, a crown of thorns which bled uh, the color red uh, from his scalp. And then they take and mockingly salute him as if he's a king. Uh, look at verse 19. It says, And they smote him on the head with a reed, and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. Uh, this reed here it mentions they smote him with. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that uh, they had put it in his hand, no doubt to uh, mimic a king scepter, probably put it in his right hand uh, to show power. And so they take this reed, and uh, he's very weak at this point, but they would stick it in his hand, make him hold it as he's standing there, beaten, blood streaming down his face, probably in his eyes. And he's holding that, and the Bible says here that they bowed on their knees and worshipped him. That does, doesn't mean they were true worshipers. They were mocking worshipping him. And so it was more like they would get down, Oh, hell, king of the Jews! You know, mocking him as he stands there holding this, this uh, scepter, this reed. Um... They yank the reed out of his hand, and then they start brutally beating him over the head with it, all while laughing about it. They mocked him and, and, and laughed as they did this. Now, if the person didn't die by this point, all this scourging and all the things they did to him, they would strip them naked. They would put the cross beam, the center beam of the cross, up on their back, on their shoulders, and force them to carry this to the place where they were going to be crucified. Now, they would, what they would do, they would outstretch the arms of the cross, and then they would tie it to the wrist. And so you can only imagine how weak someone would be at this point, uh, especially someone which they have gone to the extent they have Jesus. He'd have been very weak. Remember, Jesus, he's 100% God, but he's also 100% man. So he's flesh and blood, just like you and I. And can you imagine taking that kind of abuse and then having to carry this beam on your shoulders? Uh, so the Roman centurion, what would happen, they would have a centurion who would ride out in front of all this, and he would be a herald, and he would yell out the crimes that the person had committed. Now, everyone knew when a crucifixion was going to take place. It was, it was news. And they would line the streets. And so imagine they bring Jesus, they put this large, heavy beam on his back, probably weighed 100 to 150 pounds, uh, tied it to his wrist. He's been beaten brutally. He's trying to hold it up. There's a guy in front of him hollering out his crimes. His crimes, they, they really, there wasn't really any crime he'd committed. Uh, they, they claimed that he was uh, going against Rome. Is the only way the Romans could actually put him to death. He was uh, um, 
a traitor to Rome, you could you could say. But uh, this centurion would ride out in front of everybody so that the condemned would be laughed at and ridiculed and mocked, humiliated. <clears throat> and that was one of the worst things about the whole thing. Now, of course, Jesus was way too weak to be able to carry this cross himself. Um, they wanted to crucify him so bad that they had someone else carry that cross beam in place of uh, Jesus. Look at verse 21. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who had passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Uh, the Romans would not bear the cross. It was beneath them. They would not have one of the soldiers do it. Uh, they were too good to carry uh, the condemned's cross. And uh, they probably would not have compelled one of the local Jews to carry the, the cross beam. Now, these Roman soldiers were there all the time in Jerusalem. They knew most of the people. They would have been identified. They could have told by just looking at them who was local and who was not. Uh, this Simon is not local. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us where he's actually from. Uh, no doubt he's in there for Passover at this time, but... The place he's from is nearly 900 miles away. And so he being someone out of town, uh, they're not going to compel the local ones. They'll compel this guy. And uh, he was from, like I said, Serene, which was 900 miles away. Now, notice again what the man's name is that bore the weight of the cross of Jesus. You see it? Simon. Simon, son of Rufus. Now, does Simon remind you of anyone in the Bible? What about one of Jesus' closest friends, Simon Peter, uh, whom Jesus referred to him as often, Simon Peter? The Rock, where was Simon Peter? Where was Simon, son of Jonas, at at this time? The Bible doesn't mention where he's at. We know where he's been. He's been sitting by the devil's fire as he cursed and, and denied Christ. But here we have another Simon. Uh, this Simon, uh, son of Rufus, he needed to be there that day to bear the cross for Jesus. He had a cross to bear. Uh, look over in the gospel, or back in the gospel of Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, uh, verse, verses 34 and 35. Mark 8, 34 and 35. This is, of course, Jesus addressing a crowd of people. It says, And when he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Now here again, we're, we're seeing about having to take up a cross. We've got Simon, son of Rufus, bearing his cross for Jesus. Now here Jesus telling the people and his disciples, look, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. Now over in the Gospel of Luke, he said it more strongly. Luke chapter 14 and verse 27. Again, Jesus speaking. Luke 14, 27, he says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
You see that? He who does not bear his cross cannot be my disciple. He didn't say might not be. He said cannot be. If we can't bear the cross of Jesus, we can't be his disciple. Do you not think when Jesus spoke these words, he was thinking ahead in time about when this event was going to take place there on Dark Calvary? All the things that Jesus did for us, the suffering, the pain, the humiliation, all those things he did for us. He didn't do it for himself. He came to do the will of the Father. Why? Because the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Jesus did all this for us. He bore our iniquities. We'll read about that here in a little bit. But he bore our iniquities. He took our beating. Listen, we go through this life acting like we know it all. And like we deserve this and we deserve that. People today think they deserve everything. Uh, young people today that get married think they got to have a house bigger than their parents. Got to have two or three cars, boat, uh, all everything. Got to have it right now. We don't deserve none of that. We don't deserve anything in this life. We don't deserve to go to heaven. We deserve to go to hell and suffer for our sins. But we go through life acting like we know it all, like we're somebody. And listen, there is not anything good about any of us. There's none good. There's none righteous. No, not one, the Bible says. Listen, my friend, to follow Jesus, there's a cross to bear. There's a cross to bear. He's not asking us to endure this painful suffering like he had to endure. He's not asking us to go to the cross. He's not asking us to be stripped naked and beaten and mocked. He's not asking that of us. He's simply asking that we take up our own cross and follow him. And that cross that we take up is the cross that we know is the burden that we have for Jesus. That we love him. We desire to please him. We desire to live like he would live and like we would be pleasing to him. Uh, people today, they're too self-centered, too self-absorbed to pick up a cross. They're too in love with himself to even bother getting out of bed and coming to church this morning. People that claim to be Christians laying around not even thinking about it being the Lord's day. Uh, he said if you want to save your life, you have to lose it for his sake and for the gospel's sake. There is a cross to bear. There's a cross to bear. Uh, today, the e easy believism that goes on, the one, two, three, repeat after me. The If you feel guilty, just say you're sorry and, and you can get saved. All this is, is lies straight from hell. People are not getting saved that way. That's not how you get saved. You get saved because you realize you're a sinner and you're bound for hell and you can't do a thing about it. That there is only one way to be saved and that is through the one who came here to save you and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. It's not through Muhammad or Buddha or, or anything. that You can't go hug a tree and get in tune with nature. I don't care how green you live or how many things you recycle. That's not going to get you to heaven. It may get you a trophy on your shelf down here, but it's not going to get you to heaven. Listen, there's a cross to bear. Look back in, the, in our story here, Mark 15, verse 22. <clears throat> And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted 
the place of a skull. So, when they arrive here at this place of the crucifixion, in the case of the Lord Jesus, it was a place called Golgotha. Golgotha, if you've ever seen it, you can, you can pull it up on the internet and look at it. Uh, it sits up high up on a hill. Um, it's called the place of the skull. Golgotha, that's what that means. It's also known, we refer to it as Mount Calvary. Calvary. They would drive large nails or spikes. A lot of times we think of a nail, we think of a little ten-penny nail. Uh, no such thing back then. They, they used large spikes, and they drove these through the, their hands, and then they hoisted them up on that cross beam and put the cross beam in place on, that, uh, that, uh, on the, the main pole, the center beam. They drive a nail through the feet to keep them on the cross. Usually those feet would be uh, one in front of the other and that spike would go all the way through both of them or through the backs of their uh, uh, their foot and that, that little place back there, you know where it's at, uh, behind your ankle and uh, drive it right through both of those into the, into the beam. <clears throat> so the physical shape of the person being crucified would determine really how long they would survive upon this cross. Uh, this was all fun and games to those that were putting them to death. Large crowds would come from the city as they would sit there or stand there and watch uh, the brutality of this death upon a cross. Uh, most people died from suffocation. You cannot breathe when you're suspended in the air like that. Uh, they would attempt to relief, relieve some of that, uh, their lungs to be able to breathe. So they would try to push up on their feet. And that's, you better believe, painful as that spike was drove through the feet. Uh, we know no bone was broken on Jesus. So the, the way that they had drove those spikes through avoided the bones. And so it would go through probably the tendons, the muscle, and the flesh. And all that, but can you imagine trying to push yourself up to get a breath of air and you're on that spike uh, that's running through there just to alleviate the horrible suffering and suffocation that you're going through? Suff death by suffocation would be one of the most horrible ways to die. I mean, the pain that they're already through is enough, but can you imagine being suffocated to death? You know how bad it is when it's real muggy outside and you can't hardly breathe. And uh, it feels like somebody took a hot, warm blanket, wet blanket, and threw over your face. It's what it's like out there right now. Uh, but can you imagine not being able to breathe? And just whatever you could do, excruciating pain as you try to push up to get some relief. That is why some women came up and, came up and offered Jesus this mixed drink mixed with uh, water, wine, and mixed with myrrh. This was to try to numb the pain so that he could endure it. Uh, but Jesus refused it. It was kind of like a narcotic is what that, that mixture would be. Jesus would not take it. In verse 23, it says, And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. So he was not going to take any relief through this punishment. He's going to, going to feel the effects of our sin all the way to the end. And that's what he's doing. This is punishment for our sin, not his sin, our sin. Uh, Jesus didn't want to be numb through the suffering. He didn't enjoy it, but he knew it had to be. It was necessary for the payment for the penalty of sin. Isaiah said it like this, Isaiah 53 and 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows 
and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That's some of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. We need to remember that. This, what Jesus did was our punishment. We deserve that. And you may think, well, that was a long time ago. I wasn't even born. I didn't do anything to deserve any of that. Yes, you did. Every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us deserve to die this painful death. Jesus endured the pain, the suffering, and hell of the cross so that you and I would not have to do that. He did this all for us. And I want you to know today, there's a cross to bear. You know, you hear the saying all the time, salvation is free. Well, yeah, it's free to you. But it cost Jesus everything. It was not free. Yet most people today could care less. They use Jesus' name in vain. Curse words. Make fun of Jesus. Look over in Mark chapter 10. And we see that even in the days of Jesus, people were much like they are in our day. They care more for themselves and their earthly riches than they do for the Lord. Mark 10, look at verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? All right. Now, let's set this up. This young man comes to him, and uh, he's interested on how he can live forever. That's what eternal life means. How can I live forever? The Jews, they believed in eternal life. Uh, they, they understood that was a possibility. So this young man comes up to him, realizes Jesus is a great prophet. That's about all he recognized him as. And he says, how can I inherit eternal life? And notice he came running and got down his knees before him. And Jesus said to him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Now, some people get confused about why Jesus said this. He's questioning this man why he is calling this. Because if he's calling that because he knows he's God, which Jesus is God, by the way. He's God in the flesh. So if you recognize that, then you understand that's why you would call me good. But you know there's none good except God. So why are you calling me good? Verse 19, Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Master, all these have I observed for my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about, and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? 
Look, don't miss that part there in verse 21 where it said Jesus beholding him loved him. Jesus knew this young man's heart. He knew this young man had not kept all the commandments. There's no way. No man can keep all the commandments except Jesus. Jesus knew this young man's answer and what it would be, yet he still loved him anyway. As Jesus hung on the cross and saw all the people there that was watching him and laughing and mocking, he loved them. Those soldiers that come and drug him down the hill and, and beat him and put him on trial and all that, he loved them. Pilate, who stood there and said, I wash my hands of this, he loved him. He loved everyone despite what they would do to him, despite what you do to him, what I do to him, the sin that we commit. Because when you sin, you're rebelling against God. You sin against him. And so he loved him. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It says, The world and whosoever. The world and whosoever. That rich young ruler came so close to gaining eternal life. He could have had it. Jesus told him how to do it. But Jesus told him he must what? Take up his cross and follow him. There is a cross to bear. There is a cross to bear. As we finish here, our opening text, Mark 15 and 24, the Bible says, And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him, and the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. How tragic to think that one day, when this life is over, and we have to stand at the judgment, we will stand before the judgment, by the way. Don't let anybody try to tell you otherwise. We will all answer for those things that we've done. And knowing that we had a chance, chance after chance, those that's not saved had chance after chance to be saved. They will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We stand before the judgment seat to be judged of those things that we've done since we got saved. We won't be judged for our sins. But those that are not saved will stand before the Lord. They will be judged for their sins. They will be condemned to eternity in hell. But they had all these chances to trust in Jesus, the one who bore his cross for them. But they reject him. They make fun of him. They mock. They mock us. They mock the church and laugh. They trust in their own ways, in the world's ways, more than they did the crucified one. We'll end by reading Revelation 20, 11 through 15. The Bible says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. <clears throat> this is the second death. 
And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. My friends, there is a cross to bear. The cross of the Lord Jesus. Those who do not, do not bear it are not his disciples. That's what Jesus said. I'm afraid there's going to be many people that we know. Could be family members, friends, co-workers. That are going to go to hell. They've never believed in Jesus. They've never called on him for salvation. They've never bore the cross. To be saved, when you're saved, there is a cross to bear. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the message today. Lord, help us to understand the gravity. Lord, the shortness of time. Lord, we know it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Lord, as we will stand before you one day, oh God, those that today laugh at your name, mock you, Lord, and refuse you, we pray for them. We know you love them. Oh God, convict their heart today. Show them the need to be saved before it's too late. Lord, help us Christians to struggle day, day to day, Lord. Lord, sometimes it seems so hard. Lord, and we try and we fail. Forgive us, Father, for our failures. Lord, may we understand the importance that we bear your cross. Thank you for dying for us on that cross, God. Help us, Lord, here at this church. May we be a shining light. May we reach the community, reach the world with the gospel. Lord, may you receive any glory from anything that's done through us. For these things we ask in the name of Jesus. 